so I got a question for you. Do you have to be a horror director to make scary movies? Nowadays, there's an abundance of filmmakers who love to wear the badge of horror director, and they solely set out to only make scary movies. But what if I were to tell you it wasn't always that way? Some of the biggest horror directors of all time, like Wes Craven, John Carpenter, Toby Hooper, they initially hated being typecast to a genre. They all gave their try to other types of movies before ultimately coming back to the genre that made them. When watching these greats, you can see in their work, they know the recipe for fear. But does it take a horror director to make horror? The answer is no. Looking objectively at the genre, some of the best movies were made from people outside of the horror world. Spielberg made Jaws, Kubrick made The Shining, which some consider to be the scariest movie ever, Polanski had Rosemary's Baby, De Palma had Carrie, the list goes on and on. I can show you countless examples on how great filmmakers were able to reach into horror and make some successful pictures. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the best examples of that, the 1981 classic American Werewolf in London. Written and directed by John Landis, and if you don't know John Landis' name, I guarantee you know some of his movies. He directed Animal House, Blues Brothers, Coming to America, Trading Places. Hell, he even directed Michael Jackson's thriller music video. We'll get more into that later in the episode. 1981 was a pivotal point in practical and special effects. The new Fangoria magazine started reaching peak popularity, and young horror nerds could finally read up on their favorite movie monsters, and they could meet the makeup artist who created them. Popularity got so high that movies started billing the makeup artist on their poster larger than the actors. American Werewolf in London was no different. The practical effects in this movie were groundbreaking. That's because they had the legendary Rick Baker at the helm of special effects. Rick's iridation for makeup is matched by very few, and you'd be hard-pressed to find a better artist than Rick Baker the Monster Maker. The one-two punch of Landis and Baker was felt by audiences all across the globe, and has left a lasting impact on horror fans to this day. I'm so excited to finally get a chance to do an episode on this movie, so if you're here with us, I really thank you. So what do you say we leave our problems at the door, let's kick back and chop it up. Here's our take on American Werewolf in London. Boom! Welcome to the Sloppy Horror Podcast. I am your host and your scary movie companion, Christian Ramey. And back for another week, clapping them cheeks, the best producer in the whole wide world, Mr. Ozark Mark. Mark, how are we doing today? I think everybody should be doing fantastic, just like I am, Mr. Christian Ramey. We're back once again for another week. Clapping them cheeks, as you say. Mm-hmm. Now, this is very exciting week. It is, man. We did, we did, we did uh, the current stuff here a couple last weeks, but now we're going right back in time. Isn't that right? We are jumping back in time. So this is for all of you people asking for some werewolves. We have no bias against werewolves. I love werewolves. You like wolves, Mark? I love wolves. I love werewolves. I honestly, a werewolf is one of the horror creatures that I forget about most of the time, sadly. It is It is kind of falls in that you know rank because they're just beasts, but today... We're going to talk about one of the best werewolf movies of all time. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to say my favorite cuz I really struggle between a few of them uh, to pick. Actually, I'll be honest. I struggle between this movie and The Howling. This movie is American Werewolf in London. Okay. John Landis created this ma- like masterpiece. And I don't say that to sound corny. Like I'm not kidding. This is a great movie. Came out in 1981. Here we are in 2021. We're still talking about it. You know what made this really neat, Mark? What did make it really neat, Mr. Christian Ramey? So, we have discussed in previous episodes, horror 
helped so many other movies. I mean, because they were genre pictures. But horror movies were really at the cutting edge of special effects. If it wasn't for horror doing special effects, a lot of these newer movies wouldn't have them. So this movie is responsible for so many things. I mean, this really jumped off so many things. It jumped off a werewolf. Uh, well, The Howling and American Werewolf in London kind of came out very similar times, so they both kind of kicked off the craze for werewolves. Yeah, they go in phases, don't they? One one time it's it's Frankensteins, one time it's vampires, and we go to werewolves, and we go to zombies. Slashers. Then we go to slashers, then we go to psychological, we go to spirits. It all comes in waves, but they all end up repeating themselves. You're right? very correct, Ozark Mark. You are very correct with that. Why this kind of was so different, or the transforme- transformation, excuse me, the scene in this, groundbreaking. Nothing like this had ever been done. But it befuddled people. People were like, no, seriously, how the fuck did you make this? Because CGI wasn't like a thing. Like, that's not like a thing. No. Like, you're not watching it spider turn into some crazy thing and morph and hold a bunch of balloons and float in the sky. That wasn't the normal. You had to find an actual way to do this with physical things. And Rick Baker, now he had, obviously, Rick Baker has been like a makeup guy that's been his hobby for a long time, but this movie really put this fucking guy on the map. And right at the perfect uh, boom of horror, late 70s, early 80s, they were putting these makeup artists in, in the title, in the bill, and they would sell more tickets than sometimes the actors or actresses. You're like, I don't give a fuck who this actor is. Tom Savini's in this? Oh, bet. Well, dude, it shows. It really shows. Yeah. I mean, this, these special effects... Like you said, groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how good they really are. Like you said, that transformation scene, like that's all like filmed like real time. No, no. Now I'm not saying, now I'm not going to knock on CGI because it really is groundbreaking. And CGI of special effects still aren't easy. I no. mean, you're still doing them with a computer. The computer does a lot of stuff for you. Sure. But that's still not easy. But these special effects, they took tender, loving care. You had to actually physically construct something with some blueprint shit like engineer type level stuff to make these special effects come to life and it's it they i love these special effects they're top notch fantastic top Top notch here like that transformation scene like the the hydraulics or what i don't even know how he did it honestly well we'll get into that mark i do have a lot of insight on how he created that good you should but for our viewers who maybe have not seen American Werewolf in London, now and that's no judgment. I mean, I really, I'm even starting to learn what this crazy world of TikTok and seeing these people on horror talking about it. It's like uh, we're old. Like I, I don't feel old all the time, but you know, when you see some people talking about classic horror and they're mentioning Scream and Thirteen Ghosts and Final Destination, you're like, oh man, I was like almost out of high school. Ah, like you know, but <laughs> okay, well that's fine. So I really. It's we, like it's like discovering hair in places you never had before. It happens all the time. You're like, I got hairs on my baby toe. It's there. <laughs> it's there. It starts to grow. Yeah, the, the worst one is when you get hair in your ear. Yeah. And you see it. Like, you've always had hair in your ear, but once you, like, you know, you haven't groomed yourself in a couple weeks because mm-hmm. you're married. You don't have to anymore. No, you don't. And you just look in the mirror and you see them tall grass uh, ear hairs coming out. You're like, oh god! It's the nose hairs for me, brother. They get hooked in with my mustache, and then I'll start talking, and then my eye will water, and I'm like, ah! 
Like, you know, it's like, fuck, dude. If you had to pluck, what do you think the worst place on your body it is to pluck a hair from? The most painful. Mm, man. I I'm going nose. Yeah, pro- yeah, especially that, in the inside there. The inside is the worst, dude. Now, the corner of the eyebrow over here, that's painful too. But the nose is like you're instantly watering and instantly regret it. Yeah, it's an it's not a good situation. Mm-mm. So, back to a little bit of the premise. I'm no, <clears throat> no judgments if you haven't seen it, and if you have, then you know what's going on. So we have two friends, okay? David, David Naughton plays a character named David in this, which is kind of cool. So <laughs> makes things a little bit easier, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, man. It does. And Griffin. So it's two friends. They're walking around and you know doing the backpacking thing in London, having a good fucking time. All right. The the movie opens up. They're literally like in the back of like a farmer's truck, just kind of hitchhiking, making their way along. Okay. These two fellas make themselves to, or they find their way at a little pub uh, called the Slaughtered Lamb. They get in there. Shit's weird, man. These people are weird. (laughs) Imagine being in that situation. Like, if this is a real life situation, you're just having a good time on vacation, off finding yourself, taking a hike, or whatever the hell it is you do. If I ever walked into any establishment, no matter what it is, and you walk in and everything gets silent and everybody's staring at you. Yeah, you got to go. You get the fuck out. I'm not staying there. I'm not staying there. Yeah, especially, too, if there's a fucking pentagram on the wall with a candle underneath it. So these two boys, they make their way to this pub. Shit seems weird. They're like, we ain't got no food or nothing. So they're like, they don't feel welcome. What they say, she's like, well, do you have tea? No, but I can make you some. (laughs) (laughs) So you have tea? No. (laughs) What? So they send these boys, you know, out on their way, and they're like, well, this place is fucking weird. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. They start walking through the night. All of a sudden, you hear the sounds of a werewolf. Um, the one friend gets attacked. He gets murdered by the werewolf, okay? David gets attacked as well while losing his friend. Okay, he wakes up. He's in the fucking hospital. Everybody's treating David as if he was attacked by a man. And he's like, no, bro, there's a, there, there's a fucking werewolf. And then David starts to think he's crazy over the period of a couple weeks. He starts having these real fever dreams where his friend, his dead friend, starts to come talk to him, mm-hmm. telling him he's a werewolf. It's crazy, man. There's some great transformation scenes in this. There's some great werewolf kills in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot express how good of a movie this is outside of horror because there's funny elements in it it's got funny things too it has everything it has it has the funny elements in it keep you interested it has the scary horror it's got Mm -hmm. great special effects great gore it even has got the love interest it does it does everybody loves a love interest even like the relationship between the friends like that's your fucking dude they did they did seem that good good acting by the way by both of these men because they legit seemed like friends to me yeah they did Mm mm-hmm you know, I've li- I've done a lot of research, obviously, on this movie, and outside of even for this episode, I just really like this fucking movie. But um, I was listening to some podcasts with John Landis, and I tell you, a really good one he did is on uh, the Visitations podcast. It's with Elijah Wood and this other fellow. His name's slipping me, but they go to people's houses and interview them, and they were talking to John about this movie, and. It's so funny because he says, man, I used to get mad when people said it was a comedy, but he's like, watching it, there's comedy in it. He says, but the neat part about it is, in all John Landis movies for that matter, it kind of has like a hyper-realism to it where 
what I liked about this was, say if in a vampire movie and vampires come out, you know, like, they'll, oh, no, the vampire's coming. He's sucking my blood. Like, oh, no, I'm turning. John Landis made it as if you're walking with your friend and you hear, like, a werewolf, you're like, what the fuck is that, dude? Like, in... What he what he referenced is every movie, even from like or like Abbott and Costello, uh, Abbott and Costello, excuse me, all the old people they would do the laugh over their shoulder when they were scared. Like you'd hear like the lion roar, and they're like, "Ha ha, what's that?" You know, laugh kind of in the face of danger, but in a nervous chuckle. This movie has that, and when the werewolf comes out and attacks their, you know, attacks his friend, there's no like, "Oh man, it's a werewolf!" Holy sh. You wouldn't know what to do. You wouldn't have time to be scared. No, he started it's... running. <laughs> he started running. You wouldn't, yeah. Like, it... what else would you do? I mean. And it's, like, even if you're the person being attacked, you don't know, like, oh, here's a werewolf on me. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to, like, you're not thinking that. Like, you're not even, you just kind of are reacting. So I like that there was, like, kind of a, even though there was a suspense buildup to it, the delivery was kind of almost raw and gritty. I think Rob Zombie does a good job at that, too. Just kind of a noir finish where you're like, oh, that kind of fucking set the tone. Like, that's kind of weird. There was no cheesy line there. There was no, it was no, just, it's they just, died. Yeah. <laughs> he fucking died. That's how it should be, really. Yeah. That's how it should be. And it, and there is there's t- total amount of fear because like you said this goes back to like man's first one man's first fear, getting mauled and devoured by yeah. a beast like teeth, claws, just sh- tore to pieces. That's what makes this is back uh, just for those of you youngins out there. Oh, you this is boys. back. This is back when werewolves were actually fucking werewolves. That's right. Okay, they're not fighting with vampires they're not falling in love they're they're fucking scary ass beasts that are here to once you hear them you are fucked and they're here to tear your shit apart i love that they they were brutal so as it should be sir i'll give you a little tidbit so please do rick baker the designer for this he was often saying like and these John Landis actually was credited saying, like, hey, I think I used Rick's work too much in the movie. He says, I think I revealed the werewolf too much because I just love this work so much, and it was so groundbreaking. But Rick would always say, you know, they don't always show the monster the whole time. You know, that's the part of the scare. You don't reveal the whole thing. And he says, chances are you put in a lot of work for a a certain move or, or to make something look a certain way, and then when you go watch the finished product, that wasn't even the clip they used. So he says, I want to make this thing look as scary as it fucking possibly can before I even make it move or do anything. That way, if they get an angle that I don't want, it's still going to look scary and creepy. And it did. And obviously in 2021, your eyes able to recognize that this isn't a real fucking werewolf, but still pretty creepy, man. Still pretty creepy. It's the really quick cuts that he did. Like you see it, but only for like a split second. And little spurts, so you don't get the full movement, you just get the parts of it, you know? Yes. Worked very well. Now, I'm going to give you boys and girls a recommendation, regardless if you've seen this movie or not. If you go look, just on YouTube, American Werewolf in London, excuse me, and you look up the special effects or behind the scenes, behind the scenes, that's what you should look up. There's a scene where David Naughton, the main actor in this movie, he's getting a cast for his hand, for his arm. And they're, like, wrapping them up in plaster and 
Poor David. I mean, this dude's taking it like a champ. If you've ever seen anybody body plastered to make masks or whatever, it's a fucking process, dude. Like, it looks like you can't breathe. I mean, you're like laying there and they cover your whole fucking head. And it's pretty wild to see. Yeah. It takes a level of, you know, chill. And, uh, you know, you got to have some real. A lot of patience. Oh, yeah, man. Real. A lot of <laughs> your zen better be all in line. And you just got to find another place to go in your brain. Yeah. Well, they're doing this thing with his arm. And it wasn't his head at the moment, but it was his arm. And he's kind of getting locked in there, and he's, like, asking questions. He's like, okay, so is this, like, what is this? Like, And you could tell he's fucking nervous, man. And, like, at the end, they're like, all right, you can go ahead and start to flex your fingers and do everything and try to get your hand out of here. And he's like, all right, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> like, And he's, like, struggling, but you could tell he's, like, being a champ about it. He's not being a bitch. He's totally, like, you know, all right, man. <laughs> and he eventually gets his hand free, obviously, but it's like, man, the the amount of things you have to do to get, you know, in this is is wild. Well, it's, yeah, it's the amount of the people, I mean, you don't really realize when you think about it because you're just seeing it on the screen for a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Like a couple minutes of some shot took hours and hours of preparation and hours and hours of effort. Like these special effects, like I said, were all done by hand. Tender, loving care went into, into these, you know. So, like, I, so you got to appreciate the hard work and dedication that these people put in. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So I guess uh, the guy who played Jack, Griffin Dunn, that actor, he was, like, um, apprehensive because he's, like, a rotting – he keeps coming back in these fever dreams to David saying, like, hey, man, you got to fucking kill yourself. I mean, it's pretty deep. It's pretty dark. Yeah. You're a werewolf. you got to kill yourself and yada, yada. But each time – David sees him each time he sees Jack he's like decomposing a little bit like and you know he's eventually down to a skeleton so he had to do a lot of prosthetics and I guess Rick said when he first hooked him up you know he was Griffin was a little apprehensive he's like I I don't know man and then he was like kind of bummed out he's like I mean this is supposed to be my big break and look at me he's like no no you don't get it it'd be great it was great I love the fact that he kept decomposing yeah and it's done like it's so bad, so good. It's how, so much better than CGI if they would have CGI'd him these days. How about I don't this? think you can match it compared to the real thing that's on him. No, 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 no. How about that sweet Nazi nightmare? Did you, you know, did you like that? <laughs> yeah. Like that was badass. <laughs> it, was so, it was so random and weird. But it makes sense cuz dreams are random and weird. They are, man. It's like some I love that term fever dream because everybody that's had one knows exactly where you're just like, you wake up all fucking disoriented. Have you ever woken yourself up, like realized that you were in a dream and woke yourself up? Oh, yeah. That's happened a couple times. Those Absolutely. are always the fucking scariest dreams. <laughs> you're about to jump off a cliff like, I, 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 I need to wake up now. Wake, wake up, wake up, wake the fuck up. Well, you know you're playing with fire. It's like, all right, like I'm like kind of conscious in this in, in this dream. Like, what do I do here? Yeah, it is kind of like a weird element. It's very Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Now, can I tell you something, Christian Ramey? Yeah, Now I'm going to apologize for this right away. Go ahead. Because I ruined one movie for you already by noticing this. And I might ruin this movie for you again. I I actually love it. Okay. And and you didn't ruin The Lost Boys by telling me that they said Michael a bunch, but it is funny. Let me ask you this, now, okay? Now, do you think the Michael count in The Lost Boys is higher or lower than the David count in this movie? Ah, I'm I'm going lower just because David's in the film more. You think so? Yes. 
but they said David. What is it? Is that an 80s thing? What is it about some of these movies that you have to... Can you imagine if like we talk like this, Christian? You know what I mean? Yes. So, Christian, let me ask you this. How many times do you think they said David in this movie, Christian? Like that... that <laughs> Like yeah, they it, say it their names takes, a lot. It says your names a lot, and that it made me chuckle, laugh. But I'm sitting here wondering. I was like, "Is the Michael count, Michael?" You, you know or what David? I noticed, Pete, though, too. And and I've had this conversation a million times. So, like, the further back you go into the decades, I'm not saying there weren't killers and there weren't people who weren't rude and fucking crazy, but like, I'm not saying people were naive, but people were more trusting. And then the way, like, it was just very a lot more like, "Oh, come on, man!" Like, just people weren't trying to act as tough. All the time, I feel like that's something that's trended more so, like where people are complete cocks. Um, the internet kind of has a culture where it's like you see somebody and you can like compartmentalize them immediately. You're like, oh, well, he's just a horror podcaster, or he's just some fucking muscle guy, or he's a, that's a human being with a fucking life. But that's just the way life works. But back then, people were like sweeter. They had a sweeter dialogue to them because they didn't. They had to talk more. So like. Even the insults, like say if you go back to like the 50s or the 40s and somebody's like, what's wrong with you, you fucking tomato head? Why don't you sharpen yourself up? Look at you here. You look like a yo-yo. Like <laughs> a yo-yo. Like part of me wants to go back to the 20s or something like, fuck you, you piece of shit. You're adopted. Like, you know what I mean? People wouldn't know how to react to that if you were like really giving I them go some. Back. I want to go back with the fast talking. Kids these Age days couldn't have survived 20s. the 360 chat. Like, uh, kid, Oh, no. No. no, I don't know of any kid generation before or after because I'm not saying people weren't tough before, but their words were different. They well, just they didn't, didn't have, have they didn't have safe places and safe zones like uh-huh. these kids do now. Like the I, I'm not saying the grandpas that stormed the beach at Normandy couldn't ha- handle some bad words. I'm just saying the dialogue was so much different back then. So I agree with you when you're saying why did they say David so much? I think people were more personal back then. People just had this like, Mark, what's Angela, what's wrong? Well, they had to because they couldn't. They didn't have. They couldn't hide behind a keyboard and say whatever they wanted. Yeah, like you had to say something face to face. I guarantee you, eighty-five percent of the comments on no matter what it is would not say it to that person's face. How many like rock bands could have survived? And like, I mean, I like love Led Zeppelin, but would there have been a difference in Led Zeppelin if they had YouTube comments and they were reading them? I don't know. I don't, I mean, maybe not. I mean, they're still great. Mu- in my opinion, the best band in the world. But I'm stating, would it change their? Because it doesn't matter. I, I mean, I've. Luckily, nobody beats me up more than myself, and I love that. But, like, you know, I imagine for some people it's really damning to see something. Like, I, I like reading. You remember we were reading in the comments on Reddit, and the dude was like, oh, who are these people with the shitty tattoos? And, like, we just, <laughs> rolled, shitty we just rolled in laughter. I mean, that's like, how you got to be. Oh, my God. I love when people rip on me. It's funny. It's And, and then you rip on other people. It's ball busting. That's what yeah. it is. But I'm not going to sit here and fret about what some asshole says on the Internet about me. You don't got time to worry about shit like that. People are going to be dicks to you no matter what. Yeah. And the world is not – the whole entire world is not going to love you. Yeah, and people are just unhappy. So people are going to lash at you no matter what. But it is curious to see masturbating without lotion, having a shitty day. I get it. You don't got to. You if you want to take it out on me and make yourself feel better, fine. Go for it. We we love the camaraderie. I'm not even gonna lie. Like it is fun. It makes my day because it's like we don't really come out 
rude to anybody. So I like I like when somebody's upset when I've done nothing. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, man. I'll stop doing this. <laughs> yeah. So let me let, getting back to American Werewolf in London. Um, I want to say to you. What do you think was your most or your favorite part in it? Like, what was the most terrifying part to you? Most? Are you talking favorite or terrifying? Okay. Um, Which one? Because those are two different things. There. I want to go terrifying. What did like? Uh, what move or what part in the movie immersed you the most? Where you like you were in it and you're like, whoa, that's fucking, that's crazy, man. Like, what what part kind of got you? Probably the subway scene. Same man, that gets a lot of people. I love that. That's probably my favorite too. It's just because the fear is like you're you're enclosed in this one spot. You can't. You only have only one way you can go, and you hear a werewolf in the subway alone. That's pretty fucking freaky, man. What's weird? Like back to that realism too. Like that guy didn't even know what the hell it was. And the part that made it freaky to me, most times in horror movies, you're killing somebody that's uh kind of deserves to be killed. Sure. Or like somebody you can like don't mind seeing disappear on yeah. screen. You're like, all right, thank yeah. God. This is just like a normal guy. Like he's just yeah. kind of like walking and then hears something and he's like, he's smart. He hears it right away and kind of like looks at his surroundings and then he kind of puts the hurry up offense on. Dude was smart. He did everything you as the viewer would, you know, when you're saying, oh no, get out of, that's what he did. I'm he actually rooting for, I usually root for the person to be killed, but this guy was like, man, like, you gotta get out of there, dog. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. Like, he's up the escalator, <laughs> when he's riding, when he's laying on the escalator and just looking down, you just see that werewolf come and crawl. That's <sighs> like a oh shit moment, like, oh fuck. And they just show you for a moment. Oh you know, yeah. It's that's just all you a need. moment. Mm-hmm. All you need. Now you, that's all you need. I love how, like, there's a scene where he's, like, going down that hallway and it's full of posters. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and you yeah, just yeah. read, it's like, it's, it's a one for the porno theater. It's like, it's a nonstop orgy. <laughs> See you Wednesday. <laughs> what? Now, there, there, is a, gets me. there is a beautiful kind of finale scene in this um, movie that takes place, like, right in the, it's called the Something Circus in London. I'm, I'm not from London, so you guys over there that are from London, please tell us what the hell this place is called, if you've ever visited there, if it's a... Because John made it a big deal. He's like, where people were like, how the heck did you film there? Because it was so... Such a popular p- spot. They're like, when did you do that? Yeah, it's like probably equivalent to like Times Square or something for here in America. Maybe right? so. Maybe so. So there's a great finale where David's character is inside this like porno theater and he transforms, he's eating this person, right? And then, like, this guy walks in, and he's like, get out! He's about to transform, and he does. And he just gets out onto the street, bro. And, like, the first thing he does is, like, bites this head off of this damn, like, uh, police sergeant. or you know, mm-hmm. He's, like, a head up, dude, no pun intended. And he bites his head off, and it rolls off a car. And then it's just a great montage of like cars wrecking, people screaming. It's the best, dude. It is it is nonstop hilarious deaths in this. It's 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 so funny. It's coordinated it's, so well it too. Is. It is. It's one of my favorite finale kind of it, it's just chaos too. You're sitting there like going oh fuck laughing at the same time. It's a great combination. You know what it, it similarly reminds me of? Uh you remember the opening of Ghost Ship? Yes. It, it's not not the scenery is the same or whatever. No. It's just that frantic like death, 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 boom, death. You're like, whoa, it's a free-for-all, because usually like you're waiting it's for It's like a royal rumble of fucking horror or something. People are yes! just going off left to right. 
Yeah, it's like it's the ultimate, bro. Like yeah. it's the ultimate, and you're not expecting it. You're just like, oh, yeah, and you like, freak oh, out. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. Even if you guys have not seen the movie and you're like, I have no interest in watching it, maybe just look up some clips. Look up that uh, that clip would be a very entertaining five or six minutes, however long it is for you. It, it is. It's really amazing. Um, I love the fact, too, that they chose for him to go into a porno theater. <laughs> well, you know, actually, written in the script, they were going to go for a cartoon theater, right? And that was a cartoon theater, I guess, or they thought it was. And then when they arrived there, it was a porno theater, and John was like, ah, fuck it, we'll just make it work, and I'll write it in. Yeah. And they did, and it kind of worked. It's 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 so it's <laughs> I'm never gonna forget it's so uh, like obtuse or abstract, but it works so well because when the cop goes in there and he's just observing this dead mutilated body, it's supposed to be a serious moment. You just hear the movie going like, ah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 like it's so like uh, fucking opposite of what you should hear, but it works. Reminds me Perfect. of The Departed. Like, uh, have you ever seen The Departed? Yes, many, so many times that I should not have because oh, that's yeah. the movie that you used for your dog. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. We have discussed this now. There's a scene like you know where Jack Nicholson's in the porno theater. Kind of gives that vibe too because it's supposed to be like serious and it has the the movie has nothing to do with the porno theater. But you're trying to like, I don't <laughs> look. I don't care who you are. If you if you hear something and you start hearing porno sounds, you're gonna giggle. Absolutely, you're gonna be immature about it. Like no matter what, like a serious like, let's say a presidential debate or something's going on, and then you just hear, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a children's movie, anything, anything. It just works. It could be like the scene from the Titanic when he's about to ro- let Rose go in the water or whatever, Jack or whatever fuck his name is. Yeah. Like go in the water and you just hear, ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm immature as fuck, but it's hilarious. Me too, Mark. It's okay. What you there's, no ne- there's no need to apologize. So, Joel. you know what's neat about this too? And we're going to get more into this into a later segment, but I'm going to... Rick Baker, okay. Uh huh. He almost made E.T., you know that? He'd be the man to do it. Yeah, E.T. was sick. And I can't, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to hate on E.T., but kind of what happened was Rick was contracted to work with Spielberg on an earlier film, that Dark Skies movie, I believe it was. And uh, Spielberg, like, pressed pause on it for a while and was working on other projects and kind of was fucking Rick around. And then he's like, fuck this. I ain't doing this. I'm not. I'm not waiting anymore. I'm gonna do American Werewolf, and you know the, you know he's gonna do a couple things, and he stayed out of trouble. And then you know when Spielberg, you know, kind of came back around for ET, he's like, Nah, I ain't doing this. You know, so he he just didn't want to work with Spielberg, and it's like wild, man. Things could have been totally different, but mm-hmm. he would have been the man to do it. Yeah. But there's, I mean, I, I don't have a favorite. I look, I look at all these guys like a Mount Rushmore, like a Tom Savini, him, even, <clears throat> even like Dick Smith. These guys are fucking incredible, man. I mean, these makeup people are nuts. 
even the people. I hope. I really hope that that becomes a trend. Like you know how like history repeats itself, of course. So you're seeing old trends come back now, like the '80s retro, yeah, style synth stuffs coming back. People are wearing bell bottoms again and shit like that. I hope that soon, like the real makeup artists come back for some movies oh. and you start doing it old school style. Like forget, just make a new current movie. With all these cameras, great technology, but just leave the CGI out, special effects, and do all the special effects yourself, because these movies hold up still to this day, and they're like 40 years old. And I feel like the CGI is, is so easy and so over the top sometimes. Like, a lot of mo- current movies are going to be easily forgettable compared yeah. to these. Well, I do know, and actually... I mean, we're old men in a sense, so we were, like, bashing TikTok, you know? And, like, we didn't want to do it, but obviously we wanted to bring Sloppy Horror to everybody and every platform. But on there, I've seen so many great makeup artist people, like so many people that are... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on that... There's a lot of people on, think, Instagram or something. And then that face... Crazy off, makeup. What's that show, Face Off? Even Tom Savini was on that. That shit's great, but <clears throat> me as a haunter, there's a lot of great people I know with makeup. There's this chick, Emily, I know... She's, like, out in L.A. That's all she does is does this, like, uh, makeup shit. And some of the stuff she does is incredible. It makes me feel like when you see those people, I'm like, man, I feel like a guy in a costume. Yeah. And, like, I can, I do makeup and I do my shit, but I look more of a – I like more of, like, a grungier, almost even like a Rob Zombie-style look. You know what I mean? Just kind of a dirty kind of feel. But I see these people, and they're incredible. And I agree. I wish you would see that in movies more. Um Everything's going to have its time, Mark. Okay, so the It movies had their time, the Conjuring's, and they're kind of wrapping up. I think the numbers will show, and they'll, they'll probably go for one more, I think. Uh, but, you know, the universe will die down, and that's okay, but we're waiting for that next universe. Um, yeah, which one will be next? Uh, and we don't know. We need a new premise. It's something that's bigger than our head, you know. The slow burn isn't – a lot of people would love for the slow burn to be the – new style and it is for a lot of people i'm not saying a lot of people don't enjoy that like a24 like the films like midsommar and uh the lighthouse and whatever not saying they're bad they're a little long they're a little more noir than horror to me like they're just kind of dark films mm-hmm. um almost like more like requiem for a dream kind of feel they're just a dark film to me um, yeah. so not saying they're bad but that like get out um just that kind of psychological twist is kind of hot, I think, right now, but it's not for everybody. There will be a universal. It's hard to appease all crowds, you know? You can't. But I do think, uh, you know, you get those Nightmare on Elm Streets from time to time. You get those, like. Uh, any of the universal monsters, any of the old iconic slasher guys. Yeah. Will always work. The yeah. stories are always going to work. You can put new twists on them or anything, but people still enjoy these stories. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's why there's a new Halloween coming out next month, and it'll be out and, like, whatever. All these things are going on, um, but somebody has to come up with a new premise. Where's the new Blair Witch? I'm not saying uh, a remake of Blair Witch, but you get what I'm saying? Who's going to come up with that new twist? That's Who's going to be groundbreaking? Take the world by storm. Mm-hmm. Who's going to plant that next pillar? That's what you're saying, right? Absolutely. And uh, I don't want to be the old old man on the porch. I'm, I want it. I want the smoke because I really will. I'll do my fair part. Even if I don't like your horror films, I'm going to watch them. I'm going to go see them at the theater. Like, 
Jordan Peele, not a big horror fan of his, but like I'm still going to pay to see your movie in the fucking theater. I'm going to get my blue icy, I'm going to get my candy, and I will watch your damn movie. I'm going to give you money. Like, I'm going to check it out. I'm not just, like, hating a hate. Like, I don't ever do that. And I always try to find the light, even in something that I don't like. But <clears throat> I want something that's cross, that crosses all boundaries. And it'll be out there. It'll come soon. But I don't know. I don't know what it'll be. This This movie, American Werewolf in London, was one of those. It really was. It was a groundbreaking thing. You know, it's kind of neat for the special effects. So for that transformation, Rick said, you know, because John was like, hey, I want him to get hair and get hairier and get hairier and hairier. And and Rick said, well, the way this is going to work best is if I put him, cover him in hair and then take it off little by little because yeah. it's going to oh, it's going to look more realistic. And he did that. And then some of the scenes, he like put rubber hair through a mask and then he pulled it through, but then he just reversed the shot. So it made it look like it was growing. Yeah. See, that's that's crazy ingenuity type calculation shit that you don't realize that you have to do. Yeah. Like you had to get so creative with these things. It looked great. Yeah. When his fingers were growing, that was like obviously like a fake prosthetic thing. Yeah. And he used syringes in there. Yeah. To like blow them up. Yeah. See, that's nuts. That's insane. That's so much more intimate, so much more satisfying, so much more appreciative than this going click, click. Uh, now see, you know? They're like thinking like, you know, my mom, she's, I think she's got some hamburger meat in the fridge. We can make that. It look like brains. Hold on. I'll be right back. And yeah. like, that's how they would like operate. Like they're like shoestring budgets, but they're, I mean, they were respected the craft, but it was really like, how can I make this look real? Yeah, it's it's really a true art form, honestly. <laughs> it is, man. Well, I, if we're, I guess if we're just being all damn informative, I guess we can uh, get real serious here and tell them some stuff. We think. My goodness, what do you know here? We're here to tell you, you, something that you may or may not know about this movie. Now, if you do know it, that's good. You know what we know. But if you don't know what we know, we're about to tell you what you, you know, we know. And then together, you're going to have a we know gasm. Okay, this, I'm, I'm shooting facts right at your fucking face here. Welcome to the what do you know here. So. You want to start off by telling me something you know here, or you want me to tell you something that I knows here? You know what? What? That's my friend, Marky Bananas. Who? Go ahead, you. Yeah, Marky Bananas. Okay. Guy's got hands like bananas. Marky B. Yeah, so you go ahead and tell me what you know, because okay, I've got a lot to unpack. You got a lot? Yeah, so you I, got want, an I over, want you... You got an oversized load here? Yeah, I got two facts. Okay, well, I just got a better fact here. Okay, just a truck better fact here. So let me tell you something that I do know that you may or may not know. So, do you remember the movie The Blues Brothers? Of course. Of John course. Landis. He made that movie John too. John Landis, the director of this movie here, American Werewolf in London, made the movie prior to this, The Blues Brothers. Instant classic. 
Every father on a chair loves this movie. Everybody loves this movie. So you know the two main guys Chicago. in there. You know who the two main actors in the Blues Brothers were? Of course, Dan Aykroyd, Jim Belushi. Right, Dan Aykroyd and Jim Belushi. Now, because of the success with the Blues Brothers, they ultimately wanted to use them for the main characters in this movie. Right? Yeah, Belushi but, and Aykroyd, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. But they were like, nah, nah, nah. Nah, we need fresh young faces. This ain't gonna work. So they were originally gonna be, I think that'd be a pretty cool movie. You know, you them both, I think it would be pretty interesting if Dan Aykroyd and Jim Belushi were actually the main characters in this movie. But, hey, no big deal. <laughs> it would be a lot funnier. It would be a lot funnier. It would be a lot hey, funnier. You know, hey, no big deal, though. It's still a great movie. These two, David. Yeah, John, no, John made the right choice in bringing in some fresh faces. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, think so. that's a key to horror movies because you... When you see other actors and actresses you know, you identify, you're like, oh, no, no, no. I yeah. know him. That's Forrest Gump. Yeah, you feel at home. Yeah, but if it's somebody new, you kind of like, oh, them, you know. Yeah, who are these guys? Yeah, who so are these, that, that's a good fact. Who are these clowns? I know it's a good fact. That's who why I told you. That's why I told you. Guess what I know. Guess what I know. What do you know here? So, the first fact I'm going to have. We're going to talk about Rick Baker. Okay, we talked about The Howling, okay? The other werewolf movie with D. Wallace. You know D. Wallace? Yes. Okay, so he was working on American Werewolf in London. It was also taking some time. And then they got him to work on The Howling for a little bit. He kind of like jumped ship, and then John Landis was like, yo, what the fuck? So he came back. He came back and he made it. But he had his, you know, he had his dick in both of them. And you can see it. In each of the movies because the werewolves are just they're fucking awesome they are oh the one in the howling is great too you know it's got that uh great like bladder effects on it you know you can see i don't know if you've seen those but you know it's like an air bladder and it looks like you're coming alive and it's awesome yeah it's great yeah good stuff so yeah this guy rick baker he's a fucking superstar Okay? Uh-huh. He's at the top of everything. You almost had E.T. and you're making the two best werewolf movies? This guy. Let me tell you the last fact of why he's the the real OG. Okay? OG, now, triple OG. Yeah, my older my older horror fans know exactly what we're talking about here. And I you know I tease to this in the intro. But Michael Jackson, are you familiar with him? I love little Michael. Yeah. Michael Jackson, he's he's one of the best, okay? One of the best, if not the best entertainer to ever live, okay? So he watched this movie, American Werewolf in London, and was so freaked out and was so inspired by it. Oh, no, oh, my God. <laughs> you this scared is, Michael Jackson? This is, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> this is true terror. <laughs> oh. But, yeah. So... I'm, I think I know where you're going with this. He was so fucking inspired by this. You know, Michael didn't say, hey, I'm, I'm, I want to do something like this on my own just by myself. You know what he said? What did he say here? I'm going to get a hold of John Landis and Rick Baker, and they're going to help me make the most successful music video of all time called Thriller. And this is Thriller. Thriller, baby. Who don't love Thriller? Everyone loves Thriller. He made Thriller. So John Landis directed that. Rick Baker made all the effects for it. And it was boom, boom, boom. You know what is a cool little tidbit too about that that I can tell you. So Michael Jackson went to like his 
you know, producing company. And this is like, like right when music videos, it, people didn't give a fuck about music videos. They were really dumb. And like the early MTV days, you could have been a famous band on MTV if you just had a music video because they didn't have many to choose from. So if you sent it in, you real I'm serious. There's a lot of bands who got big because of that, right? Well, Michael Jackson's one of the few guys where he's like, nah, I, I want these to kind of be like short features. I want this to be cool. Like, yeah. I want it to be tie in with what the fuck we're talking about. Oh, yeah. And he went to the studio people. He's like, look, I, wa- I want to make this video. Um, It's going to be long, and it's going to take a lot of effects. I'm going to have these guys that made this movie. And they were like, we're not fucking paying for that, dude. What, are you fucking high? Michael Jackson paid for it all by his fucking self. I mean, Why obviously he? pulled in money from other places, but he forked over like a million fucking dollars to pay for Thriller out of his own fucking pocket. So he owned it. Yeah. And then Rick, or I'm sorry, John Landis and Michael were smart. There was a great team that they worked for, right? A dis- uh, distribution company. Okay. Because back at that time, it was Betamax. You know, you had Betamax uh, VHSs. Like, it was pre-VHS. It was Betamax, okay? And they were expensive. I mean, they were like 70, 80 fucking dollars back then to get a fucking movie. So that's why movie stores became so popular. Because nobody could afford to buy these fucking movies, right? So, I mean, I'm serious. Even go to the 90s and watch like an old VHS commercial. It's like, buy this for $19.99. You're like, damn, that's Steve for 92. You wouldn't think, you know, that's expensive. But what happened was they said, you know what? We're going to release Thriller for $30. For 30 fucking dollars, they sold this, put it out, and they gave a bonus feature. It was like an extra half hour of the making of Thriller. Mm-hmm. And they said, we're going to film us doing this, and we're going to resell it to them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it yeah. worked. Oh, of course it did. It were I mean this everybody whole... everybody knows Thriller. One of the greatest music videos oh, ever. Man. Probably the best. I don't think there's a better music video than the Thriller was. It inspired so many things. Oh, I mean, yeah. it, it, not enough can be said about it. I mean, it really not enough could be said about it. It's just really incredible. I'll tell you a little another tidbit Vincent uh you know Vincent Price, he did the uh, like the guy talking at the beginning all creepy and the yeah. guy that ah, <laughs> yeah. laughing you know yeah. that's Vincent Price you know yeah he didn't get paid for that which is weird it is know? weird you know the he, volunteer well he said he would do it I think he figured he would get paid a little bit but my buddy Tim and I we love to do Vincent Price like impressions he's very like him and Christopher Lee were good friends they were like very gentlemanly oh christopher I, th- I mean they were both bisexual like i think they both like banged but they had this really like funny if you go on youtube you can find where uh christopher lee was on his talk show and then fucking i think it was the tonight show and i then uh vincent price surprises him and he's like oh <laughs> christopher how how honored i am to be here but Vincent was not paid for his work. So I don't know why. I don't know what happened. That's pretty fucking sad there. You made the you were part of the greatest music video of all time. You didn't make a dime. Michael Jackson, one of the best entertainers, okay? I'm not saying a dude didn't have a weird life going on, but kind of tragic tragic stuff going on with them. But if you look at him, the dude bought Beatles rights. He owns Beatles rights as a state does. He bought Thriller. Dude's a smart fucking guy when it came to the business. Oh yeah. So let's leave it at that. Let's That's what we know. That's all we know. My mind is blown. Well, you know, I'm I'm just I feel smart.
I need a moment to reflect on all the knowledge that just spewed into my brain from that. Yeah, it was pretty nice. It was mm-hmm. pretty nice. You know, you know what's neat though about uh, Rick Baker, or you know, it's uh, we we often talk about how like obviously horror doesn't get its fair shake from directors, you know, production companies all the time, or it didn't, and awards, like people didn't treat it serious. This was the first. Are you sleepy over there? As no, I had a long silent yawn. I'm not trying to yawn into the mic. You ever have one of those yawns that just keep like going on forever? I do know that's what you're talking happened. about. That's just what that's just what happened to me here. Mm-hmm. So continue. I am continuing. This movie won a fucking Oscar for best makeup, and it was the first mo- movie to ever do that for best makeup. I can abs- I can absolutely see that for sure. Pretty cool, man. Very cool. Makeup nerd. It deserves it. It it deserves it really. Not to ride dick, the movie's dick or anything, or these guys bought and nothing like that. But I'll tell you what, I I see what you guys did. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like you deserve it, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and they're they were young cats, man. They were just right about our age when they made this. So I want to talk about uh, actually my favorite scene. Now I want to get into my favorite scene, not the scariest scene, but my favorite segment in this film, and it's the zoo scenes when he woke up in the zoo when he woke up in the zoo and he's naked okay <laughs> and he's and in there he's in there with two wolves now i saw him immediately like i i, I know they're, they're real wolves uh-huh. and i absolutely 100 percent believe they're real wolves because when you if you if they were wild wolves like you'd be fucked like dude be fucked oh yeah but they're obviously zoo if wolves are used to human beings they're they're perfectly fine. There's a there's this place around where we live. It's in Indiana. It's called uh, it's I forget what it's called. It's like the Red Wolf Sanctuary or something like that. It's some kind of sanctuary where they have a bunch of wolves. Wolves, my wolves. And you can go in. You pay like fifty bucks. You go in there and you pet wolves, and you just chill with them. They're like big dogs. That's pretty cool, man. It is kind of cool. That's pretty cool. That so he wakes cool. up with wolves and he's naked. So he's getting out of there. He doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> he stole that lady's coat. <laughs> he stole the lady's coat, but before that, it, it, it's the best. It's, it's the best segment ever. It's where he hide, he finds a bush, right, and he's hiding behind this bush. He's like, hey, "Fuck, how do I get out of here?" <laughs> and, oh, then, yeah. and then there's this little kid with balloons. So he calls the kid over. He's like, "Hey, kid with the balloons." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Come over here. I'll give you a pound." He's like, "Nah." And I was like, I'll give you two pounds. Like, the difference between one pound and two pounds is, like, what's going to make this kid go over to this naked adult. <laughs> In a bush. In a bush. He's like, I'm the balloon thief. He's like, why would a thief want to give me two pounds? Like, this is just the sharpest kid ever. So he's like, I'll show you. So he goes around the bush, and he just takes this kid's balloons, and he just runs off. <laughs> So now he's running through the zoo with these balloons around his crotch and shit. And he's like these two people on a bench. And he's just running by and just grabs the jacket real quick. Hilarious. And then the kid goes back to his mom. <laughs> like, I'm just thinking, like, what would you do if you're, if Cordy came up to you and said, some naked and American man stole my balloons. <laughs> she was like, like what? What? Her, the mom's response was the best. What? What? Yes, that was really gold. Some, some naked American man just stole, stole my, my balloons. balloons. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that was funny. It was great. You know, yeah, that that cracks me up. And honestly, the use of the soundtrack in this is—I'm not saying he was the first to do it, but he's one of the very 
pioneer people to really incorporate a soundtrack of like current, not like the year it came out, but just like rock and roll music. I mean, I see a bad moon rising. Like using some CCR, obviously the moon references, and then like some Van Morrison. Holy shit, and the most awkward sex scene ever, dude. Like that make out in the shop, that... I don't know, dude. It was really weird. There was some weird kissing going on because they didn't like... It looked like they didn't want to fully engage because they were like acting, but it was like it was a close-up and it needed to be hot and heavy and it was like really weird. He's like kind of like weirdly kissing her like shoulder to her arm. Yeah. It gets strange, but it's to... What's a marvelous night for a moon dance? (laughs) Some Van Morrison. (laughs) So it's like, I don't know how to feel about it except for laugh, but it's it's a weird um, 80s sex montage to some uh, Van Morrison. But it worked well. The sound, I love the song. Great soundtrack. Yeah, and soundtracks are done right like that. Like, you have to really specifically pick the songs with words when you make a soundtrack like that. It's not like somebody creating the music specifically for it, not a score, something completely different from that. So when you nail that, it works very well, I think. Speaking of talking about things that make this movie work well and things of that nature we have to do the world famous sloppy horror podcast rating on this movie let's do it sloppy horror rating baby yeah hello welcome to the sloppy horror podcast rating I am your producer, Ozark Mark. I am going to be guiding us through this little adventure with the horror movie, your scary movie companion, keeping it sloppy over there, Christian Ramey. He's going to rate this horror movie. We rate this horror movie on a scale of 1 to 10 in four categories. Three categories are worth three points. Last category is worth one point for a total of how many points, Christian Ramey? Ten altogether. Very good. So, we're going to jump right into it here. We're going to go to the first category in the Sloppy Horror Podcast rating, or three points, and that is casting. Casting. I just said that. Cast. Yeah, well, I was adding emphasis. You don't need to do that. Okay, well, I'm sorry. Should be. When we're speaking about casting, I think John Landis made the right choice in not picking the Blues Brothers to play these roles. You know why? Because they were busy making something else. And because you needed young, fresh, believable faces. I thought it was neat, man. And then, like, Britain was, like, breaking balls, too. At first, they were like, no, we want you to use British actors. And he was like, no, it's American. Where Like, the whole thing is they're like Americans over there. Like, you know, like we're not making you look bad. Like, if any, we're the fucking werewolf, you know? <laughs> like, we're invading your shit. I'm, I'm sorry. You yeah, know? like, we're honoring your area. So... I think they did an amazing job. Uh, David Naughton, Griffin, I, I don't know. If, eh. I'm going to give this a two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah, yeah, man. Because I, I, it's hard for me to give it the full three. I needed like one more to make it, to give it that three, but I'm giving it a two and a half. Yeah. Two okay. and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half out of ten so far after the first category. Let's go on to the second category here in Sloppy Horror <laughs> Podcast Rating. That is Kills. Kills? Okay. There's a lot of them. There they're, is quite a few. They're very gory. They're very quick. They're very abrupt. I love it. I love it. I love it. I couldn't even tell you how many kills are in this. No. I mean, you can start keeping track, but once that final scene 
segment comes up of all those wrecks, all that death. You... <clears throat> a dude gets ran over by a car. Oh, no. Some dude goes flying out of a car. Somebody gets crushed between a car. Some dude's head comes flopping off. That's Multiple crime. people get run over. I like how <laughs> the best kill is when the guy's driving and he just hits that guy and blasts him through a window. <laughs> you know who that guy is? John Landis. That's the director. That's right. That's a mm-hmm. cameo. Yeah. Fun little fact in there. Yep, that's right. Even the directors are killing here. So many kills. <laughs> Hands down, this is pretty simple. This is a three out of three. This is what I like to see. I want to see lots of death and fun murder. Mm-hmm. You have fun with it. Yes. Coordinate it. This is really neat. We're going to do a bunch of shit. We're going to bounce this guy's head off a car, and then we want you to get eaten, and then we want you to run him over. Like, that's cool as shit, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Three out of three. Three out of three. So Lots that, of uh, innovativeness. That's five and a half out of ten so far. After the second category, we're on now to the third category. That would be fear. Is this movie supposed to be scary, and is it this scary movie a scary movie? Does it provoke fear? Yes. Yes, it absolutely does. The hyper-realism puts you in the case and puts you in David's shoes. You're like, David's the practical one. Usually in a horror movie, somebody comes in like, hey, man, this is the – they have the no, and other people don't believe them. And other people don't believe them. You get what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. in the sense, David – doesn't all the way know what's going on he has a slight idea but he's the one kind of seeming practical he's like am i going crazy like what's going on man like i i i gotta be normal you know and his girl left for work one night like before the transformation he's like reading his book and he's just trying to have a good time like he's just there's nothing wrong with me i'm just having nightmares it's the fear of something that you can't control absolutely man the subway scene built a lot of fear um Will I say that the werewolf itself is a three out of three? No. Uh, I mean, it, it, I'm just saying, does it, would it scare the shit out of you, like the imagery of it? Not necessarily, but the suspense and the way everything is done, three out of three of fear. I, at the beginning, you just have no idea. There are two guys backpacking. They're backpacking. All of a sudden, you hear the, and they just kind of like, uh-oh. Yeah, that's uh-oh. a scary, that's a scary sound to hear. Yeah, they're just like, uh oh, I think we should go back to the pub, and yeah. it was that weird pub, and they're willing to go back to it. And they're mm-hmm. like, yep, let's get out of here. Yeah. And all of a sudden, just mm-hmm. just destroyed, man. Yeah, once you hear, it's kind of like Jaws. Once you hear that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, same thing with the. Once you hear that, like you're fucked. Yep, it. it I, I really give this a three out of three. So three out of three for fear. That will bring us to eight and a half out of ten so far, and we're going to go to the last category in the Sloppy Horror Podcast rating for this movie, An American Werewolf in London, and that is Does Christian Ramey, that's you, your scary movie companion, your host with the most, fuck with this movie? Yes. Yes. Who would have thought? Yes. Who would have thunk? Yeah, man. I I love this. This is one of my personal favorites. I got to throw it in rotation all the time. It's on Shudder now if you guys have it, so watch it. You will enjoy it. It's a good good werewolf movie. You got to have some good werewolves in there. You got to show some werewolves some love. Werewolves are always great. Um, I don't think they're... They get as much a much love as they really deserve, but the the story's great. It's a very classical story. It's werewolf, man. Like werewolves are scary. 
Werewolves are fun. They are. Werewolves are cool. I definitely encourage you guys to watch it if you haven't seen it. It's a it's a classic made by a legendary director and a uh, legendary special effects makeup practical. Uh, Rick Baker, the monster maker, man. Very good. So that is a total of nine and a half out of ten on the Sloppy Horror Podcast rating. That is probably the highest score we've had on this so far. What does that tell you? Yeah, together. I think that's the highest I've ever given a score with I you. I think that is that is the highest you've ever given a score. Yeah. Half a point out of ten. So when we recommend you this movie and you've never seen it, I think it's a good idea that you take the time to watch it if you need something to watch because you will appreciate it, you will love it, you will like it. It's a pretty good rating. Yeah, it's a pretty good movie if it's got that high of a rating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. Good stuff. It's good stuff. Good stuff. I knew since the beginning of doing this damn podcast, this was one of the movies that I was going to talk about. Um, and I, honestly, I could talk for hours about this because it like makes me segue into so many things. It's just such an important part of horror history, and so many people had their like kind of hands in it. And um, yeah, man, just a just a classic. I want to get that sucker on Betamax, or you know, I seen it. That'd be a good collectible. I seen it on the, on the eBay. <laughs> on the eBay. Mm-hmm. I forgot eBay still exists. I use it for so many other VHSs. Isn't that, do you ever think you'd be trying to like go back like VHSs would ever make a comeback? Can you believe that? Nope. I would have never thought that. I but... can see like I can see like records and record players. I see why that's coming back cuz I mean the sound quality of a record is like no other and you got the physical copy of stuff. It's something cool, something vintage. But VHSs, I never thought that VHSs would make a comeback like they are now. Well, you know, even since DVDs are phased out, um People just like to be able to collect movies. But I tell you, man, I got that. Because as weird as it is, like, I collect all kind of horror shit, but I don't really get really nostalgic over anything. Like, I I do in life, but not, like, by holding an object. I held, like, the Friday the 13th VHS and some of the boxes, like, of the exact copies that I had, dude. Yeah. And it really did, dude. It it gave me joy. It gave me joy. it's, It's cool because we were alive during this kind of types of collectibles now. So when you hold something like that, it's going to start bringing back a shit ton of memories. Mm-hmm. Bring you back to your childhood, because I feel like that's the goal. When you get older, it's like you start looking for things that bring you back to your childhood. Because that's when you were the most happy. I, spent I mean, unless you're, unless you're a billionaire, like, you know, I mean, riding on yachts all day, living in mansions, surrounded by a bunch of broads or men. Well, no, you, you, you know, do think about things prefer. that... But. I, I live my life in nostalgia for my childhood for sure. But, it like, usually I'm not that sentimental to certain items, um, you know, or, or collectibles. I just collect random shit. There's just never been one thing in specific. I just like it because I like it. But, man, those VHSs, when I held one, I was like, holy shit, man. I d- it just took me back. There's something cool about just popping in that movie. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. dude. Oh, yeah. And and then having the collection, that was something that was cool to me. Um, DVDs are kind of underrated in that principle because DVDs, um, they had a lot of bonus features and stuff, and that was very important. You know, Obviously, the Internet existed in mid-2000s. It just wasn't as easy to find like bonus content on everything and movies, and it's like 
You could have a movie you know and love and watched a million times, but you watch it with a commentary of like the actor or the director. You're like, wow, like you feel like you were there. Like you have like a little bit of insight on it. And you'll be like, oh, I just spilled coffee on my lap. And I remember we tried to do this and that. And you're like, huh, you'll never watch it the same. And it's kind of cool though. Like you feel like, damn, man, I know the ins and outs. It makes you feel like you're more a part of it. It does. So. With that being said, Christian Ramey, we're winding up down here in our time for this episode here. Do you have any final words for the people um, that we are spreading love into their ears? Yes. So I want to tell all of you, if you guys have made it this far into the episode, we very much appreciate you. We see all you listeners all over, even in Germany and France, all over, man. We definitely appreciate it all over the states here. Um, and even over in you know Britain, we see you guys too. We appreciate all of you. So... If you haven't done the pleasure of checking out all of our platforms, it, you know, it means a great deal to us because we're a growing podcast. So, you know, you hop onto the YouTube, to the TikTok, onto the Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're on. We appreciate any kind of any kind of love, comments, you know, take it up. And also, too, if you're watching this on Apple or listening to this on Apple, throw a review down. Let us know how you feel. We very much appreciate that. Um, you can get a hold of us on there. Let us know uh, if you have any recommendations of movies you want to hear us talk about. And yeah, we're going to be out and about at these conventions. So we hope to see you guys soon. And if you see us, come say what's up. Say hello. Hola. Konnichiwa. Whatever they say to us. I don't know what you guys say. But come say it to us. Mark will be there. I can hear you breathing like an old man. I got I'm full of mucus from these damn allergies. So like Michael Myers down there, man. All right, well. All right. We'll be back next week with another scary movie to talk about. We hope you guys have a great week. Have some fun. You bet your ass we'll be back this week. And we out, bitch. Bitch.